This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. My name is Ryan Mariassin, and I'm founder of Pity Plea, clothes that grow with your child. What I love is taking a human-centric approach towards the garment industry and trying to take a holistic approach to solving problems uh, along the entire value chain. With sustainability and material waste on top of our industry's priority list, our next guest is particularly engaging. Inspired by aerospace engineering, Petite Plea's continuous size adjustment is a new way of approaching garment design. One garment grows up to seven children sizes. The reduction potential of material waste is significant. Host Pub and Ball was recently in London as a guest of London and Partners, the international trade investment and promotion agency for the city of London. And he had the opportunity to talk with the founder of Petit Plea, which aims to clothe the future of humanity, starting with the next generation. Separately, all of us at Fashion Is Your Business hope that you're staying well and indoors, particularly those in high-density urban zones. Our best wishes to everyone as we all cope with the various effects COVID-19 has been having on our lives. You're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the fashion industry. Recorded on location. All right, welcome to Fashion Is Your Business, everybody. I'm your host, uh, Pavan Ball. We are here in London, actually recording at the Courthouse Hotel, uh, just in Soho, uh, which is um, a beautiful little uh, area. We are um, here as part of uh, kind of a discovery trip with um, London and Partners, which is their uh, kind of an arm that is used to communicate and market the city of London for a place of investment and doing business. So uh, I am here with, of course, Ryan of Petit Plea. Uh, now, Ryan, do you go with the full uh, subscript in the Petit Plea uh, name? Uh, subscript as in the tagline. Of clothes that clothes grow that with grow. your child. Yeah. Um, I just typically tend to mention it Yeah, uh, because it's uh, a lot more... Uh, relatable to anyone who's been exposed to our brand yeah uh, being a new brand however i mean we are a wearable technology company and our our focus is not just on clothes that grow and there's so much more that's in development um now why don't you explain that for for our audience what does clothes that grow really mean so essentially uh, what we've done is taken a very multidisciplinary approach to looking at the entire value chain of the garment industry we focused on a very niche user group for our first product which is children and designed children's wear from the ground up to actually physically grow as the child grows um, as you know adults are not growing at the same rate as a child and, and children are creating a huge amount of waste as a result they grow seven sizes in their first two years on mm-hmm. earth so we've hit that problem head-on by developing in-house uh, patent pending structure that allows the garment to grow bidirectionally, so along its length and the width, to mimic the anatomy of the growth of a child. And in doing so, we can fit seven sizes into a single garment. So we have positive impact on the manufacturing side where things are streamlined and you can make one size, not seven. 
you've got much easier inventory to manage. So for retailers, it's much better. Uh, e-commerce, you're giving a better experience to users. So they're not having to buy multiple sizes and return the ones that don't fit. They know that what they're buying will definitely fit. And that's really good for anyone who wants to buy a gift as well, which is actually one of the origins of this company was a, a poor experience that I had where I bought uh, a garment from my nephew. But by the time I had sent it to Denmark to him, uh, he had already outgrown what yeah. it would have been. So that poor user experience really served as a, an insight into how to, to hit this problem. Yeah, but how did this... Um, so it's one thing to be inspired by uh, purchasing a gift and then it's it's basically useless before um, yeah. the time that you're gifting it. But yeah. um, how did from what I understand, you have the technical expertise and you've had this application in another industry. Uh, can you talk that through a little bit, your, your background leading up to this? Yeah, so my background is actually in aeronautical engineering where I focused on designing origami structures for satellites and outer space. Okay, so this makes sense because if you look at the Petit Please, so I would actually encourage folks that are listening now, if, if you're by your computer or your phone or whatever, you are definitely by your computer or your phone. So uh, t- <laughs> take a look. What is the website? Uh, it's just petitpli.com. Yeah, so uh, it's P-E-T-I-T-P-L-I.com. Uh, but it just it's just a very unique looking style, right? It does look like origami to that Absolutely. Extent. I mean, I mean, you can see how the form follows its function yeah. so okay you are doing origami for <laughs> you could explain it better than i can of course but. yeah well I, I was doing this for for developing a, a much better way of fitting multiple uh solar panels into a tiny two millimeter gap on a little cubesat which is a very small satellite which is 10 by 10 by 10 centimeters wow um and obviously i, I finished that project and went to the Royal College of Arts where I studied uh, design engineering. Mm-hmm. And essentially that's where I began to investigate how you could manipulate the properties of fabrics by just embedding different structures in them. Mm-hmm. And I just loved that aspect of how you could apply this sort of science to it, but how it was also this artistic piece. And that's really what, for me, created this whole desirability aspect of like, wow, this is a work of art, but it also is something that you can physically uh, mm-hmm. try to approximate. Um, and how can you use this? How can you use these fundamental concepts to actually solve a problem? Uh, so it was, a, it was a whole mix of things. It was an experience with my nephew. It was my background as an aeronautical engineer. It was my desire to, to have a positive impact and, and to not put something out there that either already existed or was in a way unnecessary. So it was trying to solve uh, like a real problem that people were experiencing. But did you anticipate also uh, the movement of sustainability and, you know, carbon footprint and waste and just that magnitude of a problem that the fashion industry is, um, is now for the first time, well, not the first time, but really galvanizing around and trying to face head on? Or was this something that you just saw an application for not realizing that those two kind of initiatives like match. Oh, no way. No, no. It was from the get go. It was about me trying to jump into the industry, look at the entire value chain and see how I could have positive impact while still creating something that was desirable uh, and commercially viable. So 
what I mean by that is it has to be competitive to other brands that are out there. Yeah. Um, but from a price, yeah, and design standpoint, of course, mm-hmm. that's where the desirability comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in addition to that, it had to have a positive impact. So it had to really have those sustainable and ethical credentials. Uh, and I felt that by focusing on a very niche user group, which was children, I could actually manage to solve these three things, this equation essentially. And f- failing any one of them would mean a failed output because if if you create something that is not desirable, then no one will adopt it and it won't have any impact. If you create something that is not commercially viable, it's going to be way, way, way too expensive, like in the thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um, and again, it won't be commercially viable. Um, many of the prototypes before this used uh, nitinol, so a shape memory alloy to actuate the fabric with electronics Mm -hmm. but of course i mean that's perfect and we'll get there one day but until then you need something that is commercially viable today to have an impact today Uh, and that's why petit pli was was founded what's the material that you fell upon uh so we're using recycled bottles to manufacture these garments yeah fantastic yeah um wow and yeah so every garment has technical properties so they have a durable water repellent and stain repellent coating mm-hmm. they have a ripstop structure to make them as durable the as possible level of the fabric so there's a you know for instance there's a company dropel that does it on the molecular side or are you doing a treatment on top uh we're doing a mix a mix of different things we're working mm-hmm. closely with partners to just essentially develop the best means of doing everything whilst uh fulfilling a need for you know, having a stain-resistant material in children's wear, which makes total sense, but is never commercially viable to use on a typical commercial garment, a good which point, lasts two months. Because if they're going to hold it for four years, essentially, yeah. right? They're gonna they're gonna go through a, a one or two stains on that thing. Yeah, exactly. Potentially. Yeah, yeah. You know what? What I've found in some of these repellents, uh, and I'm not sure how long yours kind of lasts. They generally wear off, right? As as time goes by, maybe like ten, fifteen washes. Yeah. Are you finding the same right now? Or are you looking for a more resistant um, solution. Yeah. So, so the the one that we're going after is is really focused on being more environmentally friendly, which actually means that it's it's not as permanent. But then you can reproof Reapply. it. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we're also talking to some uh, friends of ours in the industry who are developing a totally different technology with the same outcome, which would be absolutely incredible to use. So it's just a matter of time before that technology is ready, and we can collaborate on further applications. Where are you right now in the business cycle? I, I know I had originally met your team in uh, Budapest, Hungary. Yeah. Say about a year and a half ago. Is that, is yeah, that right? sounds right. Yeah. 2018. For Central European Fashion Week and or during that time. And I remember uh, chatting with one of your colleagues and she had uh, left me with, you know, the information on it. And I was just it definitely left an impact to the point where I kept, you know, your uh, petit pli uh, kind of five by seven card yeah. for quite some time just in my apartment. And I kept looking at it, kept looking at it. Nice. I was like, you know, one day I got to get them on the, the podcast. And just nice opportunistically, when um, London and Partners had sent me, their team had sent me kind of a list of fashion or retail technology companies uh, that to review, to see who I'd want to meet with, uh, yeah. your name popped up. I'm like, oh, shit, <laughs> this is literally like yeah, full circle. perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so at that time, you're you're pretty much 
concept stage um, or maybe you had a prototype uh, you definitely had pictures so there must have been a prototype yeah uh, but where uh, where are you now from from when we met about a year and a half ago uh, so I think around that stage it was MVP that was going into beta testing mm-hmm. so what we had done we're a human-centric company so we we want to co-create with people out there because mm-hmm. it's it's really the experiences that people have which will uh, inform design in the future and taking just the tech approach just starting with the technology and trying to apply it and force it upon people is ne- never going to work you have to really understand observe listen speak to people so what we did was um we ran a beta launch campaign like a testing campaign on our website uh no marketing whatsoever we just emailed everyone who had seen us in the news and press and who might have been interested and said hey in in a week we're gonna we're gonna be uh, launching the first hundred beta test units and and those sold out uh within a weekend which was incredible um wow to see that traction was that like a crowdsource type of campaign or it was not it was just people had, we had a landing page people had put in their email on um, their own. On their own, yeah, yeah. So people had wow. seen us in press. They had seen you us know that on that's the news. rare, right? That's not a very uh, regular uh, thing from happening. I, I now I now know that, yeah. but I, I had no idea at the time, and I was like, okay, cool, yeah, next. Yeah, step. this is how it's supposed to happen. Yeah, that's yeah. what we thought. Perfect. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything's going according to plan. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, How'd you get the initial press? Ah, uh, I mean, I think it was a new concept. People could relate to it. I think it's still and pretty. Yeah, yeah. New. Yeah, but people could relate to it. And, yeah. and I think people, as soon as some people saw it, they just shared it. Um, and we had won an award for design engineering in the UK, the Got it. James Dyson Award. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, it was the Dyson Award? Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. And for design engineering, which is really mm-hmm. interesting. And it, it speaks to the different audiences that Pity Please speaks to. Yeah. So very like tech-focused or even fashion-focused. And we have just like volume because we've been in just normal news you know like the bbc channel 4 news like these are just generic news channels um how many people then uh what was the the volume of folks that were submitting their contact details to find out about when it's available uh it was in the thousands really <laughs> yeah are we talking about like uh, single digit thousands uh tens of thousands uh small double digit that's cool man yeah that's really cool yeah. So then from there, obviously, you had the base that was already engaged yeah. with your brand. Totally. And all you had to do is kind of update them on where you are. Yeah. Right? So you did your beta. It was sold out in a weekend. Uh, how in many a weekend. U- how, yeah. many, how many units? We just did 100 units because okay. we didn't really know. Uh, I mean, the supply chain hadn't been tested. As yeah. in, it was in the UK. It was decentralized. Sure. It was logistically a total nightmare. Um, what do you mean decentralized? Uh, you had so different contractors working on different elements? Exactly, because it's uh-huh. a very complex design to actually produce. Um, okay. And so different people had to do different How many parts. hands is it touching then? Uh, it was four different contractors. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, from there, we essentially sent feedback forms uh, after several months to the people who had been using them, these hundred beta testers or pioneers. Um, and we collected that feedback and tried to implement as many changes as we could while at the same time uh, sourcing an alternative supply chain, which was more centralized, much easier to manage and um, s- 
met the sort of innovation ethics and sustainability credentials that we wanted as a manufacturing partner. So that took a lot of time. Um, but then the feedback that we got was so constructively critical uh, and we could implement that and apply that to design changes. And then we rewarded our pioneers with a free second version of that beta suit. So essentially all of their feedback was going into designing the next iteration. Oh, that's brilliant. So, okay, let me recap that for a second. So uh, what's the timing of all of this? So the the original pieces went out when? Uh, in, I think, summer 2018, around then. 2018, so right before I met you. Yeah. Because we met They'd in the just fall. just gone out, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay, got it. And then from there, you basically had the first 100 that were out in the wild, and you yeah. incentivized them and said, hey, we're early we're testing. This yeah. is our first prototype. Yeah, yeah. They knew MVP. this. They knew this. They knew it go yeah, into yeah. it. And they bought it at full retail or your retail price. Yeah, yeah. They bought it at retail price. And I'm assuming that the margins allowed you then to say, okay, uh, we're going to go ahead and send them a second. Basically, I want as much feedback as possible. Yeah. Set that expectation. And then based on their feedback, you awarded them for the feedback with another garment yeah. for free. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when you talk about the margins, I mean, they were not, because they were all made in London. Um, yeah. As you can imagine, manufacturing Yeah, but uh, in, when in I London say, is, look, yeah. I mean, when I say margins, it is, it's really, it doesn't, I'm not saying that you were making money hand over mm. fist on them and profiting, mm. but it allowed you to go ahead. It's really just saying that you you could get to at least a break even. You're not losing money on that second, um, yeah, I mean, that second run because this was already intentional. Yeah. To do this. Somewhat. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then a big part of it is also... When you're when you're so into your little world of creating something and and putting it out there, sometimes you need to take a step back and sort of litmus test and ensure that there is really a, a hunger for what you're making. Yeah. So so the fact that people you know put their money down for that first beta test product, it proved that okay you know baby steps you know yeah. this is the right thing to do. Yeah, but a hundred units in a weekend must have felt like a giant step. It must have been a huge victory at the time, like Absolutely. internally at the team, right? Like that's wild. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Like it's totally. another. Start I mean, you're line. always you're always thinking of the next step. It's as another well. start line. Like yeah. okay, we we finished one sprint, and like totally. here we go. This next sprint is another race now. Yeah. Like and it's gonna be a little bit longer of a race. Yeah. Wow, that's wild. All right, what we'll do yeah. is take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, more with Ryan of Petit Plea. Hi, I'm Mark Rako. Let's talk candidly for a moment. You have a company to run. You can't shake hands with your customers. Your employees now all work from home. And virtually every part of your business has changed since yesterday. How do you deal with the impact on your organization? Manage a rapidly changing supply chain. Respond to the needs of clients and employees in crisis, all with an eye on the bottom line. In the COVID-19 business playbook, top experts from a variety of relevant fields call out the crucial plays you need to succeed in the face of this unanticipated crisis. Mouth Media Network's strategy update series is your go-to guide for moving forward, mitigating risk, and leading your business through to tomorrow in the face of whatever new normal arises. Strategy update COVID-19 Business Playbook. 
available wherever the best podcasts are found, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. back here in uh, in London and I'm sitting here with Ryan of Petit Plea and where we left off is really just talking about the background of the company, how it came about, the product uh, development and uh, kind of tackling that initial milestone of getting product out there in the market and, uh, and testing. So I guess to continue on that thread, uh, so you sent out the second iteration. Is that where you are right now or is this now a market ready product? Uh, no, this is now a market ready product. So, uh, as we, of when? As of last June. Okay, great. As of last June, we uh, launched, you know, the next production, uh, and we have been uh, pushing along. Um, That's wild. That. What is, what does the traction look like? Um, what type uh, of accounts are you going after? Um, is there a sweet spot that you found? Uh, it's it's been pretty amazing. I mean, we've got a lot of uh, people in the U.S. who are after Petitly. Okay. Uh, I I think that they are huge sort of consumers of innovation as well. Like they they I think yeah. as a population as a whole they they do like to be more on, yeah, we like on a the good forefront. Story. Yeah, we like a totally. good story. Yeah. yeah, we like to be able to tell people like what restaurant to go to because we went to it first. Yeah. You know what I mean? If yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. sense, no, and that totally. resonates yeah. over like the whole thing. So it's yeah. not even about you having a great experience at the restaurant. It's more about me knowing about the restaurant and you not. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, but I think I think a lot of people just value, you know, value the innovation, value no, the sustainable credentials and stuff. And like, it is a it is a show stopping piece. Like, it, it looks very different, and it yeah. is definitely a talking point. And I mean, that is one of our values: is to create something that can cause a conversation as well and start to shift people's value perception of what clothing should be. We. We stopped by your uh, location yesterday yeah. uh, for a brief moment. I want to get my eyes kind of on what's uh, what's happening there in the environment itself. Nice, and yeah. you had a, a a demo piece that I think you use essentially for like trade shows and things like that. It's behind the glass and you have like a lever yeah, on the right yeah, side yeah. where you could pull it down. Yeah. Um, and in transparency for those that are uh, listening, uh, Ryan was not in uh, the office when I kind of took a quick uh, gander around. So I'm, he's hearing this for the first time, but so you had that, like uh, that demo piece. Uh, yeah. That is a showstopper, man. That's <laughs> really, really interesting. So beyond like the origami look, mm. which looks you know out of the future a little bit. Yeah. Um, so it draws attention, but then actually being to practically see the garment uh, grow. Exactly. And contract yeah. Is yeah. very, very interesting. Yeah. So um, it has what you'd call a, a negative Poisson's ratio which means that as you pull it along its length, mm-hmm. it grows along the width. Um, and it's this oh. sort of auxetic structure. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that that piece was actually made for uh, different exhibitions that we've done. So we've exhibited in multiple galleries around the world. Um, mm-hmm. One of them at the moment actually is in the Philadelphia Museum of Art. Uh, we're mm-hmm. featured in one of their futures exhibitions, and that's going to the Chicago Institute later this year. That's wild, man. Did you yeah. expect uh, this sort of reception? Uh, I can't say that I expected it, but... Um, you were ready for it. I wanted it to happen. Yeah, so you're thinking about it. And and is this the is this the general route that you perceived in your head? Like, if you, is it museums of modern art and, um, you know, stages of engineering? 
that are that are covering it as opposed to maybe yeah. fashion? I think so. I mean, my background's not in fashion. Mm-hmm. And I have taken a very engineering and product design and design thinking approach to solving this problem. Um, the outcome is a garment. So in many ways is fashion in that sense. But what we're creating is wearable technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I in think its, it's being, yeah. exactly. And it, I think it's being recognized for that at right. the moment, which is incredible. Um, it, it's a solve. It's a problem solving design yeah and it's being recognized for that which is i I couldn't ask for anymore that's wild so now the space that you're here how long you been in uh, london for has the company always been based here yeah so the company's always been based in london i formed it uh, prior to graduating from the royal college of arts and imperial college Mm -hmm. um well the royal college of arts i mean or rca uh for short the acronym here um it's it's quite reputable in terms of the program that they have specifically for design and uh, design thinking and, and fashion. Um, can you walk through the program a little bit? Because it seems to be uh, like, I mean, uh, I it's been referenced now in on this trip alone in two days, probably like seven times, eight times. No way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even with a uh, like folks from pure. Uh, so, a good friend of mine, uh, Zoheb, he uh, he organizes uh, an architecture. Uh, yeah a huge architecture uh, summit here in, in the city. Mm-hmm. And he was a mentor over at RC and he was telling me all about it last night. But mm. if you don't mind from your perspective, what's yeah. the, the Royal College of Arts all about? So the Royal College of Art is an, an incredible institution. I particularly um, studied global innovation design, mm. which was all about, you know, thinking in a multidisciplinary perspective. All my cohorts were people from completely different backgrounds so engineering business design completely different professional backgrounds um and what was created from that was this complete cross-discipline cross-perspective way of perceiving and i think that that has been really ingrained in the dna of the company for the sole reason that looking at problems from a, a purist vision mm-hmm. can be very constricting to uh, a preconceived outcome. Yeah. But taking a completely out-of-the-box approach and, and looking at it from completely different perspectives, you're, you're able to build a high-resolution image of what the problem is that you're looking at. And if you understand the problem better, you essentially are more armed to solve it. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned cohort, and this is what was intriguing to me about it. Uh, the the way that they've positioned their curriculum there is really more of like an incubator style where they're bringing in mentors from what I understand from, as you mentioned, from all various disciplines to come in and weigh in. And the thesis that you guys have is um, the goal is to take the thesis and and bring it to fruition, to actually practically build a business. Is that is this project, Petit Plea, um, something you are working on through the program, and and is this, this kind of a product of of the support that you receive from RCA? I would say that it obviously varies from course to course. Yeah. Um, so our course in particular allowed for that route in life. Uh, mm-hmm. 
if that is what you wanted to develop in. So, so yeah. What's incredible about the RCA is that it's a postgraduate university and it it takes some incredible people in Mm -hmm. and it just adds value to whatever they were when they entered and allows them to follow the direction that they want to in a sort of quite a fluid Mm -hmm. way. So if, if you want to become a, a master artist, then that's possible. But if you want to start a business, that also might be possible. Um, and it's just really trying to develop your interests into just the next level. And tell me a little bit about the location. So your office is in what is being... Um, more than conceived, but built uh, to be the future fashion district or the first fashion district of London. Um, so while I was here for the last few days, uh, you know, I've taken several meetings and I'll say I've been all over the city. There is no one nucleus or ecosystem for fashion retail design. Mm-hmm. Um, and meeting with the team over there, they showed me all these blueprints and the vision for what this can look like. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's an area that is uh, underdeveloped, right? Um, and it's it's seeing a bit of an energy now, of course. Uh, but I'm curious to hear uh, your experience so far uh, residing in, honestly, one of their first buildings that has been opened. And uh, what you expect out of kind of the development of this ecosystem. And what's going to, what is it going to mean to Petit Pli? So there's more and more attention being brought towards sustainability in fashion and also innovation within the wearable sector uh a lot of that energy is being directed to east london uh, and is being supported heavily by the trampery fashion district and the center of fashion enterprise and i mean when the opportunity came up to to actually you know uh, find a nook there find a little space for us to to grow there Mm -hmm. um it seemed like a no-brainer for Petipli, uh, to be a part of that culture as it's, you know, growing. Yeah. Where are they in terms of, um, I guess, uh, fulfilling their kind of vision in your, in your eyes as a, as a tenant, as an early adopter of uh, participant of the community? Uh, I mean, we're at the first couple of months in now uh, of that. I, yeah, being realized in terms of actually having a space but of course there's a lot of work that goes into you know developing securing funding um laying out the plans and the legal work to to actually get up to that stage so for us being based there super early stages for them i think they're a little bit further along the line of actually realizing the the true potential of what they could do by directing young businesses and innovators mm-hmm. to that area and i feel as though in the same way that i've talked about you know having a multidisciplinary approach within our dna i think that having a multidisciplinary approach based over there and having mm-hmm. different perspectives is going to be really a thriving culture yeah absolutely so where are you now going forward in terms of for Petit Pli? What are you investing in, say, this year, 2020? What are the goals uh, kind of near side? So for us, it's it's about developing the market that we're already catering for. It's uh, 
increasing outreach to to ensure that we're addressing everyone that we can have a positive impact with our design and it's about applying our technology to different markets as well meaning and different product categories or meaning different product categories different users mm-hmm. um it's about looking for b2b collaborators as well that really align well with what our vision is and what we're aiming to achieve with our design uh, and we've been speaking to a few good really good um potentials do you find do you think that ultimately petit plea is its own brand or is petit plea the em- empowering technology that um that essentially supports other brands to to work in this capacity or to develop with this uh technology at the moment petit plea is its own brand however it being its own brand is essentially a way of continuing to talk to people and have Showcase. a direct conversation with people yeah. so that we can further develop our technologies and further develop solutions um there is no need for those solutions not to be you know worked on in a collaborative manner mm-hmm. as long as the businesses that we collaborate with share our vision and share our values in terms of ethical sustainable supply chains and mm-hmm. trying to do good what other um categories as it relates to fashion or maybe even outside of fashion do you see being um a a right fit for this technology uh there are many applications that we've thought of um ranging from structures that need to be deployed out quickly but then also uh, put back away really quickly um and many others which uh, they're a little bit too early stage to talk about mm-hmm. um but i'd say watch this space and and yeah. sign up to our mailing list <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good way to throw it actually um but no I, okay so right now you have it's it's children's wear when you go to petitply um, yeah. com, and that is the most um understandable and resonant application of this absolutely do you and find do you find works. this as a space where like you know uh, so i have a newborn right and uh, not quite nine months yet but soon yeah, at some point will be right <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, i do like the idea of having uh, you know the petite plea um clothing for her um but do you is your growth uh, just because the market is completely vastly open uh, so it'll be different households or is it to sell numerous products to the same household like, cause if I'm buying one product for four years, right, the turnover for me may not be huge, but how are you going to engage then your brand advocates or your client base to then essentially work for you? That is a really good question. First, it's about getting particularly out there to different households, because for every new household, it has an impact of reducing up to seven times the consumption. Yeah. At least. Um, and then from then on is the further applications of what we're designing and how we could actually continue to solve problems for all the members of that household. Mm-hmm. How can we continue to solve problems for that child as they continue to grow? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that may or may not be with our patent pending structure, but it's it's still taking our multi- multidisciplinary approach to solving problems that really gives us an edge when designing for wearable applications. Makes sense. Have you thought about how, so as a brand advocate, how you would turn me into a marketing billboard for you? 
Because it seems as though you have that ability based on your beta test of 100 people. The fact that they turned around and said, we're more than happy to give you feedback, which in itself is really difficult. Mm. Um, so yeah. first you sold out right away. Yeah. Then you got, what was the engagement in terms of the feedback? Uh, I think we got 80, 85%. Yeah. So 85 out of 100 people yeah. replied back with uh, relatively detailed feedback so you yeah. could iterate on it. Yeah. And there's still a couple coming through, I think. So. <laughs> that's, that's pretty awesome. You know, and like, yeah. so it's it's like, the, I think the interest level and the engagement around your brand resonance mm. is, is through the roof. Like it, it honestly, this is, it's, it's outstanding uh, awesome. in terms of what I observe in the overall market. Yeah. How do you take advantage of that? I think it's important for us as a brand not to uh, necessarily try to shove, you know, our products down people's throats. Yeah. Um, for us as a brand, it's about recognizing that engagement, um, facilitating it, continuing to address um, and educate. So a lot of what we're doing is educating the next generation to consume in a better way. And, and if you look at our packaging um, our care booklets that come with every garment, like it all, it all helps towards that brand engagement. Mm -hmm. Um, but for us, the challenge is, is to continue cre to create things that continue to solve problems for the people that we're already yeah, so catering new to. items, new technologies, new ways of exactly. And challenging yeah. ourselves as a company rather than thinking of, you know, how can we sell more items? I mean, you're basically looking, I mean, look, it's, it's pretty clear in my head is that you're looking for partners and investors so that you can focus on the technology and continue to innovate where your partners are tasked with then selling the actual practical case through their, through their brands is what, I, what I'm seeing. And then you're yeah. using the petit plea for the time being to be your showroom. In a way that is totally true. Yeah. Okay. So petit plea went viral when when the concept was released mm -hmm. uh it, and it went viral because the product spoke for itself mm -hmm. so the product was engaging in itself and i think that the way to truly challenge ourselves as a company and to continue to truly have positive impact is to continue to create things that are pretty cool and, and things yeah. that people want to share you know we yeah. we don't want to force people to want to share we want people to want to share out of their own goodwill or because they genuinely find it interesting. And we want people to recognize that our designs are actually going to have a positive impact on, you know, their family, their friends, and they'll want to purchase it for them yeah. as a result. They'll see, oh, if I, if I buy this garment, one, I know it's going to fit. Two, I know that it's going to maybe save um, my uh, sister-in-law xyz money over the next couple of years and it's just going to be better and cooler um so in that instance you're giving the power of having a, a nice reward and impact to the people in your mind's eye are you a designer a scientist or both uh i consider myself a design engineer mm -hmm. full-on yeah. Full-on design engineer. Yeah. yeah. This is literally uh, what you're describing in terms of um, the engagement, everything uh, around people wanting to share and be inspired on its own is like the dream of any design engineer, product designer, whatever, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> it's wild. So I, you know, I really, I really do wish you a sustained growth and luck. I think the, 
the world is at a, at a point where we're craving engineering like this, similar yeah. to this. Um, it really comes down to now um, spreading the word, and it seems like you're really on a great path there. Identifying the right partners to get yeah. it out into the market, so then you could continue yeah. doing the work behind the scenes to to really R and D what the the next iteration and support beyond you know children's clothes uh, will look like. Yeah, uh, you you alluded uh, through the conversation a little bit in terms of what types of folks that you're looking to um, connect with, but uh, in the near side right now, who what types of profiles of people are you looking to connect with? We're looking to connect with people, whether they are people who are interested in using our technology uh, for XYZ application, um, whether it's people who would love to have this garment on their kids. I mean, I think it's just so important to sometimes step back and, and think of the world as a collection of humans. Mm-hmm. And we're just looking to talk to humans and humanity. And what is the best way that folks could connect with you or your team directly or just follow the journey of Petit Pli? So you can follow us on Instagram uh, at Petit.Pli. Um, you can also find us on LinkedIn, Twitter. You can contact me via Instagram as well at Ryan Mariasin. R-Y-A-N-M-A-R-I-O-Y-A-S-I-N. All right, perfect. Um, Ryan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Honestly, like been in awe of the product since I first laid eyes on it. Thank you so it's much. It's incredible to see it a year and a half later um, in awesome. the market and yeah. you guys, the the space that you have, the team that's working on it. I mean, yeah. it's uh, it's it's really um, off, off to a really good start. Yeah. yeah. Um, so good luck on the next kind of milestones and keep hitting Thank them. Thank you keep so much. Them. When yeah. you're in New York, please hit us up. Definitely uh, will. Come through to the studio. But yeah, awesome. man, such a pleasure, brother. Thank you so much. All right, cheers. Ciao. This has been Fashion Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2020. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at fashionisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.